0: Coming up on Home Dunk, the mythology of the man they call Swaggy P. I
1: hit a home dunk. I wish that you had
2: shown up. I played over my head, everything was off the charts. I jumped out the gymnasium and knocked it out the park. I hit Did a, a handstand,
1: I hit a grand slam. It was a great day for the fans. I gave the crowd money plus free snacks and did a hat trick and a backflip. is on ESPN Classic, and you weren't there, and it hurt me to watch them retire get my jersey. I hit a
0: home dunk. Hey, everybody, John Moe here once again with Home Dunk. We're going to have a really interesting interview about Nick Young coming up. Nick Young of the L.A. Lakers, a.k.a. Swaggy P. And you know what the P stands for. It doesn't stand for anything. But first, let's get a little recap on what's been going on in the sporting life. Uh, with me once again is uh, writer, actor, improviser, raconteur Mike Fotis. Hello, Mike. Hey, John. How's it going? It's going okay. So uh, I am going to be Alex Rodriguez here for a minute. Okay. I've got a, a background in uh, in theater. I've got a degree in dramatic arts from a liberal arts college. Sure. So I think I'm ready for the role. Okay. This is an apology letter that Alex Rodriguez sent out on Tuesday of this week. And uh, I, I'm going to ask you to listen to it, Mike, and evaluate it for how you feel about this character. Do you feel sympathetic? Do you feel like forgiving him? Do you feel madder than ever?
1: Alright. Okay? I mean, I've got an opinion, so we'll see how you sway me. Alright,
0: alright. So I'm gonna I'm gonna just try to be as realistic <laughs> without commentary as I can. Sure. To the fans. I take full responsibility for the mistakes that led to my suspension for the 2014 season. I regret that my actions made the situation worse than it needed to be. To Major League Baseball, the Yankees, the Steinbrenner family, the Players Association, and you, the fans. I can only say I'm sorry. I accept the fact that many of you will not believe my apology or anything that I say at this point. I understand why and that's on me. It was gracious of the Yankees to offer me the use of Yankee Stadium for this apology, but I decided that the next time I'm in Yankee Stadium, I should be in pinstripes doing my job. I served the longest suspension in the history of the league for PED use. The commissioner has said the matter is over. The Players Association has said the same. The Yankees have said the next step is to play baseball. I'm ready to put this chapter behind me and play some ball. This game has been my single biggest passion since I was a teenager. When I go to spring training, I will do everything I can to be the best player and teammate possible. Earn a spot on the Yankees and help us win. Sincerely, Alex. Well, what do you think, Mike? That was really well done. Thank you. That's exactly how he sounds. (laughs) You totally crushed that. I tried to capture that, uh, you know, the I'm sorry if you're offended style of apology. Yeah, totally,
1: because that's what it is. You want to put a chapter behind you? The best way to do that is to have never written the chapter. That re- that's all i have to say and then write the chapter over and over and over again come on a rod <laughs> just come on like you know what i like that he wrote the letter out yeah i like that that it's
0: written by hand and yeah. by the way he's got pretty good penmanship
1: yeah he didn't he didn't tweet it i don't think he's a serial killer based on that no you, you could tell that apparently but other <laughs> than that The only thing that this letter does is prove to me that he knows how to write a letter, which I wasn't worrying about or on the edge of my seat about him up him apologizing about this is nothing to me, nothing at all. And then he's like, oh, okay, everybody, just so you know, my boss says this is done and my other boss says this is done. (laughs) So it's probably done, right? Cause so I just don't need you to ever bring it up again. That's what I, I'd like it if you never brought up all the mistakes I made about baseball. Wouldn't everybody
0: like if nobody ever brought up the horrible things that they've done again? Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. That sounds like, like a that. great way
0: to live, but it, it seems impractical. There's
1: a lot of meetings that I've had in my work life yeah. where, after it was mentioned once, I wanted to be like, "All right, we've covered it. We've never covered." I'm that ready again? to put
0: this chapter behind me and go back to work.
1: Do you know how much I wanted to say that in like grade school? Yeah. Like when I got into a fight in the cafeteria, how much I just wanted to tell the principal, you've said your piece. This is (laughs) over now. And I expect that everything will just be fine. I'm ready to just get back
0: to work. And uh, you know the, be- the best punishment I can have is to collect millions of dollars and keep doing what I was already doing. That's the
1: other thing. He's just saying, "Let me go earn all my money." Okay? You know what? I didn't even have much of an opinion about this until you read it. You read it so well that it made it real to me, and yeah. now I can just picture him in his fancy robe, uh-huh. his fancy robe <laughs> doing it. And you know what? He 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 got caught multiple times. Yeah. This is not like. So, yeah oh. well I mean it's it's the Eddie Haskell element of it all like yes. I remember
0: do you remember the the baseball player uh Albert Bell Yeah yeah he was a bastard and he didn't care who knew it nope. He was just an impossible human being and if you wanted him on your team you knew it was going to be a pain in the neck. With Alex, I remember when he was, like, drafted and he played for the Mariners. And he really, you could tell he was going out of his way to portray himself in this Eddie Haskell kind of way. Like, I am just, you know, I'm a great guy who happens to play baseball. And it was always, you know, with fans back then, it was always like, is this for real? And he's the greatest guy ever? Or is this, is this Eddie Haskell? And then he's just...
1: And he has himself down through the ages. He could never handle the fact that Derek Jeter existed. Like yeah. I know they were friends early on, but I, I honestly feel like Derek Jeter being there and then like not doing <laughs> using PEDs and doing all the right things like just kept getting at him. Mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah. Well, what is it? The El Guapo and Three Amigos, <laughs> where <Well>, they always <laughs> refer to like that. That guy was my El Guapo. Yes, the right. thing I could never get past. That's what it is for him. Derek Jeter is well, his. It's his Gargamel to his his Smurfs. That's exactly what it is. And Albert Bell's letter would have just been like, I don't care if you like me. Yeah. I play baseball, signed to no one in particular. Yeah. And then delivered, wrapped around a rock, and thrown at your head. Yeah.
0: And then you would be like, oh, cool, Albert Bell. I kind of respect that. I know where
1: you're coming from.
0: Next item, Peyton Manning, 105-year-old quarterback for the Denver Broncos, has told the team he's feeling good. He's ready to go. He's ready to get back in the game. Um, And uh, everyone seems to say, well, if this guy says it's okay, then it must be okay." And it looks like he'll probably come back and play yet more football next season. And when I see this on the monitor of my computer, I yell at my monitor, Peyton, go sit down. You don't need to do this anymore.
1: Yeah. Well, there's part of me that's like, hey, man, you had surgery on your neck. On your neck. The thing that keeps your head on. So- <laughs> <laughs> keeps your head attached to the rest of you. Maybe you should stop playing football. But I get it. Like, for... For everyone who says that Peyton Manning, like, oh, he was really funny in that commercial, and he was he was really funny on SNL, he wasn't that funny on You're SNL, right. and he wasn't that good in the commercial. He yeah, was I'm good, good to, for a football. <laughs> yeah, player. nobody like stood up in their seats and were like, "We got to cast him." Yeah, and I know he's gonna have a good career as a broadcaster because he he clearly does get it, and he's. He, He's you wanna listen to him, right? Yeah. But I get the instinct to like just keep playing as long as you possibly can. And I think he should. Yeah. I really do, but he should wear one of those really big neck pads, like those those guys who, like, fake injuries. Uh-huh. Those, like, big like on the Brady hurt my neck. He yeah, should yeah. wear one of those because he's not running and he's not turning to his left and right anyway. Yeah. So just do that.
0: He should just be in some, like, or a sumo suit or something. I mean, I, th- this is the, the conundrum to me with Peyton Manning is I kind of, I always am intrigued by seeing the old guys play. Like, the oldest guys in whatever sport it is, if they can keep playing, it's interesting to me. And, and you know, Peyton Manning is one of the top quarterbacks of all time and so you want to enjoy the time spent watching him but he did this thing where he he made himself uh, a sympathetic character you you can have uh, you can have feelings for peyton manning because of the snl hosting Mm -hmm. because of all these other things and at that point then it's like your friend who's going out there and Taking unnecessary risks and maybe is about to be killed, and so it's it's a question to me of how much do I want to shut down personal feelings? Not that I've ever met Peyton Manning or ever will, uh, in order to enjoy him playing football. Well, it's not like he can't
1: play. It's not like he had a bad year last year. No, like that's another thing people keep forgetting. Like, yeah. it maybe it wasn't as he's still historic, very good. Yeah, as his other years, but he could still play. And the thing is, the reason I know he's coming back is like. I know he is very concerned about his legacy. He's a good dude, he's all those things, but he is and I don't think he plays unless he can still throw 30 touchdowns and did you I, s- I really
0: don't. Did you see this clip? Uh it was going around as a vine towards the end of the season of uh Brock Osweiler, who is the backup quarterback for the Denver Broncos. We'll put this on the on the infinite guest page, infiniteguest.org. Uh it's this clip of Brock Osweiler finally getting to go into a game and getting his helmet and getting ready to go in, and then he sees Peyton Manning just run past him onto the field. Oh, that's horrible. Because Peyton isn't coming out after all, and Osweiler just kind of shrugs and looks sad. Oh. yeah. I'd be a backup quarterback. Would you? I would oh, do that in a second. Best. When I was a kid, all I wanted to be was the third-string yeah. quarterback. Yeah. Because you get a cool hat. And you get to hang out with all the football players, and no one kills
1: you. And if you go in and you do terribly, nobody's you're, like, what you're the hell, to. man? Yeah. You're like, oh, you did exactly what a third-string quarterback should do. Good job not being good. Right, High right. High five. And and to live in that zone of, like,
0: good enough to be in the upper echelon of the best players at anything in the world,
1: but really crappy. <laughs> <laughs> when yeah, you, when you get to that level, I mean, there's remember, a big difference between being like in the 98th percentile and the, like the 99th. it's it a comes huge to pro sports, leap, right? It's like the Richter scale. It it, it <laughs> yeah. isn't a steady climb. It's a it's a steep embankment. But I could still say to somebody years later, like, "Yeah, I played in the NFL," that has some cachet, you know what I mean? Right, right. As opposed to like, "Yeah, I was the third guy people asked about a PowerPoint presentation." <laughs> right. That doesn't.
0: I was the third string. <laughs> Assistant Regional Manager. Yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, Do you ever win a Super Bowl? No, <laughs> because that's not how it worked. That wasn't the actual thing. Um, speaking of guys getting old and and uh, still doing things or maybe stopping doing things, uh, Jason Giambi announced his retirement. From Major League Baseball, immediately leading to the question Jason Giambi was still playing Major League Baseball? Yeah,
1: I was totally shocked by that. (laughs) I knew he had played a couple years ago, but he was like in a pinch hitting role. Yeah. He was in a maybe, guys. I don't know, let's see how I feel today kind of thing.
0: He's apparently, he's been in Cleveland, and he's been the uh, big hunk of meat coming off the bench when you really desperately hope he can hit a home run and turn into Kirk Gibson. And that's how he's made his living for a while. But now he's stepping away.
1: I'm totally okay with Jason Giambi, by the way. I don't know how you feel about him. Okay, Jason Giambi, admitted PED user. Cheater. Yeah. Big, big cheater. I'm totally okay with him. Why? I don't know why. He just seems like when he apologized, and by the way, he hid it for a while too, for a long while. Yeah. But for whatever reason, the way he's handled it has worked for me. And part of it is when you read about him in a locker room, like people love him. People love him. Everybody on the team likes him. So there must be something to his apology. Like once he finally was forced to apologize, you can't overlook that part. Like- There's something to that, right? He's a good teammate that people liked. I generally thought he was interesting when he was being interviewed. Mm -hmm. Granted, not interesting enough that I knew he was still playing baseball. Sure, But still, and he, I don't know if you know this, is like being considered for managerial positions. Already? Yeah. No, in 2012 he was. For the Rockies, he was like (laughs) – Two years ago. It was like an open secret. They were like, yeah, I'll retire. If you hire me as a manager, I'll retire. Wow. You must be pretty good at rebuilding your image game. If you got in trouble for PEDs, yeah, and then I don't know, less than a decade later, I don't know when it happened, you're being considered for a managerial position because guess who's not, Alex Rodriguez. Alex Rodriguez.
0: Nobody's. Yeah, Roger Clemens isn't getting that nod. Nobody. They're they're not signing up Barry Bonds. I wonder if part of it too is that he, uh, after he was caught or admitted this kind of stuff, he kept playing, but just wasn't as good. Yeah. It just it. I think it grounded us in reality a little bit because you have Clemens going out and like, you know, winning fifty games in a year at age seventy five with a tree trunk for an arm, mm-hmm. and then he's suddenly just gone from
1: baseball. There was a pretty clear delineation when Jason Giambi stopped using. Yes, you know what I mean. Where he was still a good baseball player, but he was not right. the, the dude from the a power few years numbers prior. went down. <laughs> yeah, and then there's just something about he was willing to be the pinch hitter. Yeah, guy that you described, he's like, yeah, hey, guys, I got caught. Pretty stupid. I'll sit on the bench. There's all these guys who are way better than me right now. But if you need me, whatever. Give me a call and I'll come (laughs) out. Otherwise, I'll be a great... Um, uh, positive attitude in the uh, locker room. We'll play board games. We'll have a really good time. I'll always bring soda.
0: I'll always bring soda in in a cooler made of diamonds because I've made so much money playing baseball over the years. Um, So finally, um, this past Sunday was the NBA All-Star Game. And going on at the same time was uh, the Saturday Night Live 40th anniversary special. And apparently... Uh, the SNL special absolutely trampled the All Star Game in terms of ratings. Nobody was watching the All Star Game; everybody was watching
1: SNL. Which one did you watch? Oh, I watched the SNL special. Yeah, me too. I mean, I and I knew the All Star Game was on, but it wasn't going to be one of those like flipping back and forth kind of affairs. Yeah, there was yeah. nothing to it because Chevy all. Chase or Eddie Murphy weren't going to just come out on the court, right, in, in the All Star Game. And with Chevy Chase, you never know, right? Like even when he tries to do a mea culpa, he kind of a jerk you know what i mean so yeah (laughs) you want to watch that right right you you want to see what eddie murphy's gonna say like honestly i like russell westbrook a lot i don't need to see russell westbrook shoot right right i'll see that on tnt later in the week you know
0: i find that i don't have a deep abiding passionate care whether the west beats the east or not I, I don't have that much loyalty. I maybe had it a little bit more when I lived on the West Coast. Now I live in the middle, and it seems sort of arbitrary.
1: And I never, never
0: with the All-Star Game, even all those years with the Bulls. Yeah. Like, it just didn't care. There's just nothing about it. All right, well, let me ask you this, then, about the SNL special.
1: Who wins the MVP? For me, it's John Lovitz. Yeah? And he never said anything. Or the people who came up with the in-memoriam bit? Because <laughs> the whole bit was was all the people who have died on SNL, and they include... The actually alive John Lovitz, right? And when I saw it at first, I was like, "Oh no, I didn't know he died." And then they flashed to him in the audience. I just thought it was really well executed in a night that I loved. I loved that special, yeah. But it was. Let's be real. Messy. It was pretty messy and clunky. <laughs> like that was really well executed. Yeah. And I just needed to see one piece of comedy be cleanly <laughs> executed from start to finish. The
0: whole thing was like, uh, you know, you, you've been in plays like that first stumble through where yeah. you're like, can we make it to the end of this show yeah, without the stopping preview? Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Just invite a couple people. And if you have to grab your script at one point, that's totally fine. <laughs> that's totally just fine. call for line.
0: I think my uh, my MVP goes to Gilda Radner on that one. And uh and not to be the guy who says only the original SNL cast was any good, but th- watching those clips and watching her perform was so delightful, so unexpectedly delightful because I kind of associate her now with sadness because yeah. of, you know, how she died and and uh just how premature it was and and how sad it was. But to watch her in those like they showed the audition clips of when these that people were was first trying out, wasn't it great? And You know, you watch SNL, even some of the the really great people on SNL, there's this sense of they're listening for how much of a laugh they're getting. And they're calibrating their performance. And Gilda Radner, if she was doing that, I couldn't tell. It just seemed to be the pure joy of having fun and being...
1: Being funny on stage, she seems like she's absolute was absolutely the most genuine. Yeah, right. Like you'd love her immediately, no matter what the situation was. Right,
0: right, yeah, okay. So that's the MVP. Um, who's your rookie of the year? Who's uh, among the the
1: younger cast on that show? The younger cast yeah. on that show. I can't remember his name, but he's like the guy who kind of has the Brooklyn accent, Pete Davidson. Yeah, I like him. Yeah. He makes me laugh. There is something about him where he's got like this cocky swagger that's just fun. Right. You know what I mean? It's not like a cocky swagger where he feels like he's earned something that he hasn't. He, I think he gets like, holy crap, I'm on SNL? And like that's what I really like about yeah.
0: him. I'm going to give my rookie, uh, rookie of the Year award to Leslie Jones uh, because she... Do you know how old she is? Yeah, she's... She's 47. Yeah, that's great. She is the oldest new cast member that they've ever had on that show. And she's just been working behind the scenes in comedy for decades and decades and decades and plugging away and working as a writer and just doing all this stuff. And then she she's on this show uh, kind of got added as sort of an afterthought and seems to be killing it. And in um, top five, that
1: Chris Rock movie, she's outstanding as well. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. I like her because I did have a moment where I was like, oh, Maybe I still got a shot, right. <laughs> and I I know that I'm not the only one of my comedian friends who had that moment when you read about how old she was.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, she's she is the Peyton Manning of uh, well, not even the Peyton Manning. She's like the if there's a a 47 year old rookie quarterback in she's the like NFL. She's like the Kurt Warner. She's
1: the Kurt because right because he started out a little bit later.
0: Yeah, stocking boxes in a in a grocery store. She's the Mark Eaton. <laughs> of uh, <laughs> SNL cast members, I, and they're both very tall. Yeah. The only thing that really we need to have happen now is for James Harden to join the cast oh, of Saturday. Can you imagine one. that? I he, don't even want him hosting. I want him in the cast. Wow. if he can't make it to all the shows because of basketball, that's fine. Just stop by when you can.
1: Yeah. Just show up in a couple sketches. Yeah. Crush it. Just and crush it. And Just leave. <laughs> Eat a taco yeah. and then wander away. You know, I want a written letter from who's that? James Harden. James Harden. because he could just talk. About a whatever. Yeah. She's like, hey, I had some donuts today. They were amazing. If you're ever in Houston, have these donuts. All right. Mike
0: Fotis, thanks for helping us understand the world of, uh, let's say, sports. Okay. <laughs> Bye. In a
2: home dunk.
0: Even if you are not a deep and abiding fan of all the statistics that go into professional basketball, you should be following the Los Angeles Lakers right now because it is some fascinating psychological archetypal madness that is very rewarding for uh, for anybody really who wants to uh, to follow something intriguing. Ian Levy has been writing on Vice dot com uh, about Swaggy P, A.K.A. Nick Young. Ian, thanks for being with us.
2: Well, thanks for having
0: me on. Um, so nick young aka swaggy p give us a a a brief overview on who this person is for people who might not be very familiar
2: um well in terms of production on the court he's sort of a, a marginal player at best he's a volume scorer very inefficient uh lots of wild shots Uh, not a committed defender, uh, to put it mildly, Um, but he's got a lot of personality, a lot of uh, on-court and off-court antics, and uh, he's sort of known for his, his personality as much as anything that he actually does on the court.
0: And the name Swaggy P was given to him by God?
2: Yeah, that was, the, uh, that was the story. I think he actually, uh, if I remember the timeline correctly, he actually started referring to himself as Swaggy P and was, was using the name for quite a while, and then he revealed that it was given to him by God in a dream.
0: <laughs> Does the P stand for anything?
2: Uh, I don't think so. If I remember correctly, uh, the P, um, and maybe there was a meaning, but he wasn't. He was being mysterious about it and, and not letting people know now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so here's a guy. He's playing for the Lakers. The Lakers are terrible. He's tossing up all kinds of shots and missing most of them. Um, you describe him as a Ken Kesey-esque subversive figure.
2: Yeah, yeah. So the the idea the idea of that piece was just that he's almost playing a different game than everybody else's. That the majority of the players who are on the court are there to win and to help their teams win. Um, and the perception that I have from watching Nick Young is that he's there to have fun. Um, and that fun is certainly self-serving as well. You know, he, um, like I said, he's not a great basketball player. And so if he wasn't such a, an enormous character, probably nobody would know who he is. And, you know, maybe he's not even in the league. Um, so the, the fun that he's out there that he's having is uh, definitely um, sort of, sort of uh, self-perpetuating.
0: You compare him to Ken Kesey, who, of course, was featured in the electric Kool-Aid acid test by Tom Wolfe and uh, known uh, for working with merry pranksters and uh, doing a lot of drugs.
2: Yeah. So the idea was that, that Ken Casey was was an example of somebody who was sort of um, subverting the popular culture in um, in the '60s, and they they were sort of fighting back against this sort of um, sort of state banal existence that had sort of you know grown out of out of the '50s and post World War II, um, and they were sort of doing it in in as loud and as um... sort of as heathen and hedonistic way as they could with these sort of impromptu gatherings and, and dispensing acid and they were traveling across the country in this tainted bus. Um, and i sort of saw some of that in nick young that he maybe not intentionally and maybe not with the uh... maybe not with the idea of, of reshaping nba culture um, but that he has sort of uh... rejected the idea that that winning uh... and and playing basketball um, within the constraints of what we've sort of accepted wins basketball, which is, you know, tough defense and taking good shots and, and, um, you know, working within the team construct, he's sort of rejected all of those things and he's saying basketball is about fun. I'm here to have fun. Um, and I'm here to sort of, you know, to cast off those, those cultural norms that that other people are are placing on the game.
0: In a way it's really refreshing because they are, it is a game. Like games are at their root are designed to be fun and it's it's kind of a wonder that so few people seem to be having any fun when they play.
2: And that's something that's striking too. I mean, of all of the things that make him stand out, he seems to be enjoying his job more than anybody else, right. you know. And there are people who we know, you know, like Kobe Bryant clearly takes pleasure in winning, but it's a it's a maybe not recognizable to us as pleasure or, or sort of not the way we would interact with, with things that are pleasurable. And so yeah, you watch Nick Young and you're like, Man, that guy's having a great time out there, you know. He's uh he's just running around and doing his thing and not worrying about the consequences.
0: It's like uh I mean, I'm I'm thinking now of like mythology. So Nick Young or Swaggy P is sort of Dionysus to Kobe Bryant's uh what, Hephaestus, do you think?
2: Sure, sure. That would be a comparison that would work. Although Nick Young, his antics have been, and I hope this doesn't come back to bite me, but have been generally harmless. You know, he's not somebody who's out, um, you know, getting DUIs and then getting arrested and things like that. You know, his fun has been mostly harmless, except to the teams that he's played for.
0: And you mentioned in the piece that uh he had a uh what you describe as as a batshit mentor uh when he started his career with the Washington Wizards in Gilbert Arenas.
2: Mhm. Mhm. And uh yeah, when he first came into the league he played with Arenas and Arenas um maybe not sort of a perfect match but Arenas was definitely somebody who existed sort of outside the construct of what was considered normal basketball behavior. And uh, I'm not sure that Arenas was necessarily driven by fun in the same way that that Nick Young was. Um, But he definitely was going to do things his own way on the court, off the court. um, You know, I think that was definitely sort of the precedent that was set for Young.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, basketball and the, the NBA has a long history of characters and you know unusual people but you're right they they do tend to be very very good at basketball dennis rodman can be wild and wacky but he's also arguably the best rebounder of all time um Mm. so how how is nick young first of all how is nick young doing working in the nba how does he have a job if as you say he's not all that good at basketball
2: well, yes, I mean, he's on the court this year because he plays for the Lakers, and they're terrible, and they don't have a lot of other options. That's right. Um, I had an
0: offer to play with the Lakers, and I turned it down. I just.
2: <laughs> I mean, generally, he's played for bad teams, and he hasn't been very productive, you know. Um, but he's still, on some level, I guess it's sort of a weird comparison, but his, when you look at him statistically, he sort of fits into an older idea of, of you know, what an NBA shooting guard should be, and he takes a lot of shots. Shoots a lot of jump shots and doesn't shoot them particularly well, um, but but from a certain angle you look at his box score and he you know he scores a lot of points he scores a lot of points per thirty six minutes you know he's been at times a respectable three point shooter um, and so there are still some teams that value that you know they see him and they're like oh he's you know a scoring punch off the bench. Um, and, you know, he's got some athleticism and that kind of stuff, but he, he definitely brings uh, a bag of tricks with him.
0: For some reason, the idea of, of old, injured Kobe Bryant just seething with rage at the existence of Nick Young is making this <laughs> season so much more pleasant for me.
2: Yeah. When going into the season, I mean, there was definitely, uh, an awareness that that was going to be not a great personality match and, um, <laughs> You know, they, injuries probably separated some more fireworks from happening between the two of them.
0: Stay tuned; it's a it's a fascinating NBA season as we move out of the All Star break. Keep an eye on Swaggy P and his non tattooed uh, right arm, which is uh, not tattooed because it's exclusively used for buckets. Correct?
2: Yeah, that was a tweet that came out uh, a couple months ago. Yeah, <laughs> right arm, no tattoos, strictly for buckets.
0: Ian Levy, writing for Vice dot com. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot
2: for having
0: me. And now for the latest update in New Hampshire high school winter sports, we go to John Doyle from Foster's Daily Democrat. John, hello. Hello, John. Let's get right to it. What's the big event in New Hampshire high school winter
2: sports? Well, it's it's the from the Roland Trembley Ski Jump Complex in Newport, New Hampshire. They held the New Hampshire High School Ski Jumping Championship. Which, New Hampshire being the only state that offers high school ski jumping as a varsity sport, this is the de facto national championship.
0: And, uh, and
2: who won? Well, the team competition went to Hanover, that's the town of Dartmouth College, so you'd understand they're good at ski jumping. And the runners-up was Plymouth, 380 points to 375.5. It was pretty close.
0: Uh, And of course, the, the main question we're all wondering about, any spectacular wipeouts where everybody was okay but it looked really, really rad?
2: Well, not really, John, and that may be a little disappointing to some, but I should point out that these high school ski ramps are much, much smaller than the Olympic ramps. They're only about 35 meters tall as opposed to the uh, Olympic ones at Lake Placid. You're talking
0: about 150 meters. John Doyle from Foster's Daily Democrat, which is a newspaper and not a cookie. He's also a contributor to New Hampshire Public Radio. John, thanks. Thank you very much, John. Home Dunk is produced by Nina Patak, and we are part of the Infinite Guest Network, where guests will never stop. They will pile up in a tower into infinity, and they will not even be a rational number of guests. The conversation will keep going, in a good way. Go to infiniteguest.org, and you can see uh, all sorts of podcasts, all sorts of great things on there, including Wits, which is the, uh, the other show, the radio show that Mike and I also work on. We get production help from people all over the Minnesota Public Radio, American Public Media building, including Peter Clowney, Steve Nelson, Hans Buto, Shirley MacLaine, all sorts of folks. I'm John Moe. Bye now.